Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. Thanks for tuning in today to I Work For Him, as we call it the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks go out to Ace Andrews. He'll be engineering the show today and taking your phone calls. Hey, take a moment and go out to iworkforhim.com, our website, if you would today. Go out there and take some time and like our page on Facebook, I Work For Him, and on our regular website, iWorkForHim.com, consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. This is an opportunity for you, for me, to make an impact on the workplace that we are part of each and every day. iWorkForHim.com has made this pledge called the I Work For Him Nation, where we ask you to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Start looking for ways to serve people. Start looking for ways to befriend people outside of the workplace all along being people of excellence in your workplace. You know, every day on I Work For Him, I quote this scripture, but it's so true as I was talking just recently with a business person that we have to change our behaviors in the workplace in order to draw attention to Christ. We've got to stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world, which is what Romans 12, 2 talks about. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Every day on I Work For Him, we're trying to tackle the subjects of what does it really mean to connect my faith to my workplace? And I try to bring on guests each and every day that give you their perspective, how the Lord has been working in their lives, how people have been challenged personally. And today is no different. You know, I network across the nation and really I network around the world. For those of you who listen to some shows, I've had people on the air from all over the world, not as many as around the United States. And I'm always looking for guests that have either written a great book on how you and I can connect our faith to our workplace, or somebody that's got a great testimony to share, or maybe a ministry that is busy in discipling Christian business people. And honestly, today, I think we've hit a home run. We've got on on the line with us today, founder, the founder and author of God's Career Guide, Patrick Leahy. He likes to go by Pat, but he's written this book, Practical Insights for the Workplace Christian. It's not for business leaders, although it could work. It's not for business owners, although it could work. It's for you and me, the regular people that are out there that are working for somebody else. This career guide, God's Career Guide, is fantastic. It's the first piece of written material that I have found that was written for the people just occupying the cubicles. I loved it. Pat Leahy, welcome to I Work For Him. 
Hello, Jim. Good to be here. You know, I'm so grateful for your willingness to be on the air with us today and to share how the Lord led you to uh, writing this book and where it came from and where he's, how he's working on your life today. But let's first talk about, I, I ask this question of every guest in some fashion, how is Christ making a difference in your life today? Well, basically what he's doing is, uh, you know, he is the singular truth that we can always return to. As we go through life, we have plenty of ups and downs. We all experience them, abundance, need, peace, turmoil, all these things. And whatever the world throws at us, we can always go back to Christ, go back to his word. And there's some truth in here that, uh, in there that he can help us come through and glorify him. And, you know, he just puts everything in place. So... Talk to me about how where you're at in your career. You you've had some times where you worked for other people, and now you're off, and you've been you've been in the 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 people industry the, for most of your life. I I I don't know what you call it, but you you're executive staffing. You you you're a staffing executive. You help find people and plug them into job positions in, in, that are available. How did you get into that world, and how have you seen God use that for for His glory? Well, I've been in it for a very long time, uh, college, got two degrees, went right into technical staffing. My bachelor's is in uh, civil engineering, and I've been in various forms of staffing uh, with a billion-dollar national firm. Right now, I have a small business. I do technical staffing, and as I went through it, my career was so, not only my own career, but involved in workplace decisions with others. I just started asking the question, you know, where's God in all this? And started following a path, done a lot of adult Bible study, and that's the idea of really bringing God to work. Uh, as I say in my book, bringing God to work is the best career decision you will ever make, and that's and that's really how I got into it. And the tough part about that is, is that you know we've had to. We've had to find a way to do that connection because we don't hear it a lot from the pulpit. And bringing God to work is if you're going to be a Christ follower, you don't have a really, that's just part of the package. When we give our lives to Christ, we're, we're putting him as Lord over everything. But it is that cognitive step where you say, I am no longer going to be the Lord in my workplace. Jesus, you're the Lord in my workplace. What does that look like? And that's, the, that's why you wrote this book, isn't it? Yes, it is. Like today in the United States, there's probably, uh, it's a huge number, there's 60 million Christians going to work every day. And uh, uh, God, that's the realm that God has called us to. And uh, our work is a high calling from God. Work is a creation mandate. And it's just getting to the bottom of that in Scripture. We spend more of our waking hours and work-related activities than anything else. And like I said, where's God in the middle of this? And that's what I've been spending several years studying, writing about, and speaking about. So talk to me, you know, as, as you share some of your story, you've been a Christ follower. As we talked on the phone prepping for the interview, you've been a Christ follower for 30-plus years. Right. I accepted Christ as an adult when I was out in, out in the workforce. All right. So talk to me. How did that—you you said that you've got it—you and your wife have a very interesting testimony that really talks to the power of God in your lives. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, it's on the personal side, but my wife and I, Nalani, we uh, we met in high school in Hawaii, and then I went to uh, Texas to go to college. She went to California, and we got married uh, my junior year in college, uh, had uh, three children, and at that time neither of us uh, were Christian. 
And then after uh, 13 years of marriage, unfortunately, we got divorced. It's just a sin problem, you know, sin's everywhere. Uh, we married other people, very nice people, and uh, those marriages uh, fell apart, too. And I just got convicted by the Spirit one day that uh, God wanted to uh, bring the Lonnie and I back together, and it was time to restore our marriage because we both had become Christians. So I call her up. We met. One thing led to another. We did uh, remarry uh, in the pastor's office, and that was many years ago. And now we have uh, six grandchildren. All of our three children, they're married. They're all Christians. Uh, we go to the same church, and, you know, God is good. And one thing I learned along this way is that, as you say, Jim, he is a God of restoration and redemption, but God can heal anything, and that's Amen. our testimony, you know. Well, and isn't it—so you, you kind of skipped over quickly, but your second marriages, that's where you guys both became Christ followers, correct? Yeah, it was after the divorce, and then uh, during that process, we both became Christian, and— uh, you know, one thing led to another, and I was in a church service on a on a Wednesday night, and just got convicted, and uh, I just heard the message that you know God wants to put your family together, and I was obedient to that. So was Nalani, and here we are, lived happily ever after. Praise he, the Lord. He can heal anything. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can restore. He came to restore all things. He redeemed us, but he came to restore all things. And I and I often use that as an encouragement to people as they recognize the fact that hey. I don't care how messed up your marriage is or your life is, God has the capability of fixing it if you'll just give him a chance. Yeah, for sure. And I know you and Martha have a marriage ministry. And, uh, you know, this is what he did for us. It's not necessarily his plan for other people. And we've used this as a ministry to help other people younger than us who've had problems with their marriages. And I've sat down with many a husband and, uh, you know, steered them in the right direction of restoration. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. So talk to me about how did God lay on your heart this idea to write a book called God's Career Guide? How did that all happen? Well, this was probably about uh, 20 years uh, you know, into my life as a Christian. Really, three things uh, came together. The first was just my natural career, uh, my own career, and I mentioned it earlier. It's all workplace-centric. I've had literally thousands of conversations with candidates looking for jobs, employers wanted to hire. And on the business side, all I do is I talk about work and jobs. And then in my church life, uh, I've been an adult Sunday school Bible teacher for 20-plus years, home Bible studies, things like that. And then the third segment was the whole faith at work movement, which uh, you know has come on the scene into the American marketplace where it was okay to talk about God in your work, and the faith at work movement is really all religions, but Christianity is a part of that. Well, these three things came together for me in 2009, and at that time I decided to suspend my church-based classroom teaching, and I went on the Internet. I uh, started up GodsCareerGuide.com and just started researching, writing, interacting with people on the Internet, and I discovered there was just a great demand for, you know, Bible-based encouragement, Bible-based principles to help the working Christian. And then I published the book in 2013, and here we are. Well, and you mentioned to me that you've got a Facebook page for God's Career Guide. You've got a website, GodsCareerGuide.com. This is a place for everyday Christians. They don't have, you don't have to be a leader in your business. You don't have to be an owner of the business. This is a place where if, if you're, you're, 
you know, you're in the ground floor. You're you're in the uh, you're in the trenches. This is a book for everybody who's a Christ follower in the workplace, but this is a book for those people in the trenches just to understand their place in the kingdom, in their workplace. It's such a piece of encouragement. Yes, it is. And uh, the phrase I use is, it's for all occupations and every culture. As I went through uh, the research for the book, I looked for biblical principles that would apply to everyone that works. And there's a lot of what we call CEO manager books out there that are wonderful, but how about the rest of us, as you say, and this book's really for the rest of us. And in the dedication of the book, uh, I just said it's for the Christian who gets up every day, goes to work, wants to do the right thing, wants to serve God along the way, and this book is dedicated to you. And that that's the approach I took. So talk to me. You've been a staffing executive for a really long time. I mean, and you like to play your your place engineers. You've got Gain Technology. That's the name of your company right now, G-A-N-E Technology. And, and you place, I think I wrote down civil engineers is who you place more often than not, correct? Yeah, right. Uh, I've been in all sides of companies, but at this point in my career, I've been a small business owner. I'm based here in Houston. And it's a very narrow, very specialized recruiting firm, and it's civil engineers. And Houston's the fourth largest city in America. The economy's good, despite the current uh, oil slowdown the lot of us are experiencing. And I just work with companies and candidates with civil backgrounds and match them up and put, put people to work to God's glory. Yeah, and that's pretty cool to be able to match them up. And, and so anybody listening, if you want to move to Texas, I mean, this is a, there are a lot of jobs in Texas. Uh, it, through the whole economic downturn, Texas has been one of those states that has, I don't know if it's thrived the whole time, but it didn't just survive like some other states in the union. Texas has been growing the whole time. So you can check out, uh, you can check out Pat Leahy on his website. What's your website for your business, Gain Technology? What is the website? Yeah, it's Gain Technology. Dot com, G-A-N-E. That's pretty easy. All right. We're talking with Pat Leahy about his book, God's Career Guide. You can find out more about it online at godscareerguide.com. Yes, I had a Mountain Dew right before the show. All right. So this is a book that's out there. They can buy it on your website, correct? Yeah, the website and Amazon. All right. So let's start digging in. I, I, one more question about your job. So as you place civil engineers and other types of engineers there in, in Houston and around Texas, how does your job as a staffing executive give you uh, – how does your work as a staffing executive kind of bear the image of God in your work? I mean, how does that all play out? How do you see God playing out in your workplace? Well, you know, we can get so involved in the noise and the busyness of work. You know, there's just a time to to pause, step back, look at the greater picture. And on this journey with God's Career Guide, I just became convicted that, you know, everyone who works, their work is a high calling from God. Uh, God designed us to engage with His creation, to be fruitful, uh, to be creative, to be productive. All work has a spiritual component. So just going through the uh, the everyday work, uh, I'm really glorifying God. I'm serving Him with helping people find meaningful employment, not only you know for me and my own family, but just others. And you step back, and it really is whatever work a Christian is doing out in the marketplace, it really is full-time service to God. And our ministries can go beyond that, of course, but sometimes we think that our secular job can get in the way of our spiritual walk, and there's just no truth to that at all. When you start looking at your secular job as the way God intended it to be, going way back to Genesis, 
you're serving him by engaging in his creation, the people and the things, to his glory. It's, as you have placed so many people and been in this world, the, the staffing executive world, I imagine you've also seen some of the brokenness. How have how has your job as a staffing executive given you a unique uh, vantage point into the brokenness of the world? Well, you, you really see a lot of the... Uh, the trials and the struggle that come from a, you know, broken, fallen world. See, back in Genesis, it was all perfect. Work was perfect. There were no no interruptions or disconnections. Genesis 3, the fall. So work's not the problem. See, sin's the problem. Sin has messed everything up that it touches. And sin is why companies have problems. Sin is why we have conflict with our coworkers. Jobs are stressful. But despite that, you know, we, we overcome that, you know, through Christ, and we understand how it's working, and we just find victory, to, you know, despite the sin. But, but I see it firsthand. Companies staff up. Companies let people go. Someone can have a great career for 15 years, then all of a sudden there's nine months of unemployment, and it just happens. That's, that's life this side of heaven. Yeah, and life this side of heaven is messed up. There's no question about yeah. that. Pat, as the Lord laid on your heart to write this book, God's Career Guide, the people can find out more about online at godscareerguide.com. Talk to me about, I mean, how did it start? I mean, how did you get started doing this? Well, as uh, you know, we'd mentioned earlier when I felt that call to go to the Internet and to leave the uh, church-based classroom, I just thought that, you know, based on my experience in the workplace, what do people want to hear? What are their challenges? What are the questions from all my years of doing staffing? And then I went to God's Word to find uh, biblical answers to those questions, and that's when I would start doing my writing on the website. I would research a topic, and then I would come up with the answer, post it on the Internet, interact with people, then go out research another topic. The book's very heavy in chapter and verse. It's you know, it's not so much important what I say, it's what does God say, and He's always got the right answer. Well, I, and I love that because at the end of every chapter, at the end of every section, you've got the Bible verses, you got Bible verses in every chapter, and, and but you also have every section is summarized with questions people should be asking themselves, and then the Bible verses to back it up. I mean, it's it's... You got the focus questions. I love that. And those are tough questions, by the way. Those are great group questions. But you've got the key principles, key verses, and at the end, you've got then the focus questions, which literally could be a week-long Bible study if you did it. But each section is so much like that. And it's, it reads like a resource uh, for people like, well, I don't really know what I should do about what do I do when I face opposition at work? Well, oh, there's a section on that. What do I do when, uh, you know, I have problems with my relationship with other people? Oh, well, there's a section on that. How do I understand God's will in my workplace? Oh, well, there's a section on that. What's the feedback you've been getting from people on writing this book? How, how have you been blessed by the feedback people are giving you? Well, the feedback is very positive. Uh, I use this group that helps me with all the technical side and one example, they said, well, you have to go on Facebook. I went on Facebook a couple years ago, and uh, I have over 31,000 followers. And there's just a great need for, you know, concise, Bible-based answers and direction to their problems. And uh, the issues I think that, that people respond to the greatest, one is workplace trials. How do I deal with this trial? How do I go through this trial? And then the, the idea of relationships with other people in a way, that's a trial, but that's also unique in itself. 
uh, fruit and blessings. Uh, what can I expect uh, when I'm, you know, we need God when we're leading the abundant life, just like when we're when we're needy at times with all those ups and downs. God's involved in all of it, and you know, people really react to that, and each answer points to a verse. And, and it does. And that's what makes us so powerful is that it's not, hey, don't just take Pat Leahy's uh, opinion on this. Here's what the scriptures have to say specifically about this. Lots of choices. So as you know, you guys put this together, how long did it take you to put it all together? How many years? It took me about uh, three years. Uh, I have an 108 lessons on the website. There's 81 in the book. I picked what I thought were the most significant. There's 81 in there in those six sections. And just put it in book form, you know, ebook and print, and try to get it out to people to encourage them in their careers. Pat, let's start. Let's go section by section. It, you know, we, we've got some time left in the show. I want to go section by section because the first section is the biblical principles of work. When you look at that section, helping people understand the biblical principles behind work, because honestly, growing up in the church and having a, a father in business and a lot of friends in business, I always grew up with the impression that, you know, work was the result of original sin, but that's not at all true. No, it's not true at all. The uh, The Garden of Eden was never a place of idleness. God designed us to work, and when we work, we're glorifying Him. And if you take a real close look at Genesis uh, 1 and 2, there's several phrases in there, which I call mankind's first job description. And in those Two chapters, see, that's perfection. There's, there's no sin. Everything's perfectly the way God wants it. And God tells uh, created man to be, to be fruitful, to rule over creation, to subdue the earth, work the garden, take care of the garden, name the animals. And all these things are uh, the core seminal elements of work. And all this is before the fall. So we're designed to work. He wants us to, as I said earlier, engage with his creation to use and develop his created things. And when we're active in the world that God created, we're glorifying him, we're pleasing him. Now, it's all tainted by sin, which we'll talk in the next section, but work is really a high calling, and that's what God wants us to do. And if you look in uh, Mark 6, 3, we all know that verse, Jesus, you know, isn't this the carpenter? So if you look at Jesus, perfect God, perfect man, and what did he do for most of his life? He worked with his hands. He worked in his community next door you know, to his neighbors. Uh, in doing this, Jesus Christ validated the necessity and the dignity of human work. He picked up tools and made things. And the necessity of work and the dignity of the people who do the work. And when we get up and go to work every day, we're literally following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Well, and, and what I love about when you talk about the biblical principle, principles of work, you also highlight our priorities, our life priorities, because that's, you know, there are most of us ha can have a tendency to be workaholics and to neglect our other priorities in life. But God set those priorities in place. He put some specific priorities in place in the garden and in the command to the uh, to Adam and Eve. What are those priorities that we're supposed to focus on? Yeah, if you, if you look at the uh, Genesis verses, there's three things he wants us to focus on. First is God, and that would include our church life today. He's supreme. He's everything. He's on the throne. He's the center of our lives. So we focus on God. That's the number one priority, our salvation. The second priority is family, and that would include marriage. The most important human relationship any person has is with their spouse. 
and then children, extended family. And then the third priority is really work. Okay. He, again, he wants us to to do things with his creation in ways that honor and glorify him. Pat, as you look at this section, workplace trials, why why is it necessary for us to have trials? Well, it's just the uh, it's the post Eden effects of original sin. You know, God created everything perfectly. It's been stained by sin. And sin has just messed everything up. And we, it's not so much living life where we're avoiding trial. It's the trials are going to come. They're guaranteed. How do we deal with those trials? How do we go through them? And God's designed it in a way when we're on the other side of a trial, if we do it his way, we're going to be stronger, better people. Well, okay, so there's a lot of people listening here going, wait a minute, i got enough trials at home. I don't want trials at work, too. Or I've got enough trials at work. I don't need them at home. You talk about the fact that God uses these trials to shape us. Why? Why do you think He does that? Yeah, He uh, he, he gets our attention with our trials. Like every person can ask a question: At what point in my life was I really pressing into God and closest to God? Was it in a time of affluence or a time of struggle? And for all of us, it's when we struggle. You know, where are you, God? I need you, God. So he knows the trials are coming. We press into him. He helps us get through the trial. And as he changes us, we become more like Jesus Christ on the other side of that trial. So it's not resignation. It's not coping. It's trusting God, pressing into him, and saying, God, I know you can get me through this. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible where he's done just that. Oh, that is for sure. Absolutely. I love the fact that in the workplace trials section of the book, you talk about the four keys to effective prayer. One of the things we talk about on this show every day, as I call people to join the I Work For Him Nation, is to commit to praying for those people that they work with each and every day, whether it's their boss, their coworkers, their employees, but to pray for people because prayer does two things. Number one, it changes our heart. Number two, it does amazing things in the hearts of the people around us, and God uses it because of our more willingness in our hearts to to give us an opportunity to have great conversations with people. It just prayer changes things, and it starts with us. Uh, yes, it does, and uh, it's interesting you mentioned that chapter. I spent a lot of time in that chapter, and uh, you know those four keys: we get right with God, we pray God's will. See, God's committed Himself to fulfill his will and his projects, not necessarily our projects. And then we keep praying. Prayer changes us. It doesn't change God. It gets us ready for his answer. And the fourth key is to believe in God's answer, because the answer is going to come. Now, that answer could be yes, no, maybe, not yet. Well, not maybe. Yes, no, not yet, or my grace is sufficient. And he, he does answer prayers, and he changes us and grows us, and, you know, he gets the glory when the answer comes. I love it when a Christ follower comes up to me and says, Jim, I don't even know why I pray anymore, because God never answers me. And I'm like, what? Well, well, I pray for things and nothing ever happens. They're like, well, you know, there's always three possible answers to any prayer, right. but they're always praying, assuming that the answer is going to be yes instead of no or wait. And, and I think that's you talk about that in there because it's important for us to recognize that as we pray, the longer we pray for something, the more our heart is shaped towards what God really wants. And that's the important part of it, because then when we start asking what God wants, of course, he's going to say yes. But when we're asking for the wrong thing, he's going to say no. Or if we're asking for the right thing, but it's at the wrong time, he's going to say, wait. Exactly right. And seeing God is like 
the loving parent and the child wants something, the parent knows it's bad for the child, it's not good for the child. Out of love, the parent says no, and the child can stomp off, oh, you don't love me. And, oh, yes, the parent does love the child. The child just hasn't, hasn't gotten it yet. Every one of us needed a spanking here or there. Right. In that chapter on workplace trials, you talk about today's Goliaths, and you also talk about uh, four reasons why, or, or deal with extreme stress, which I like that, because both those are big deals. We don't have enough time to go dig into them, but this is where people are thinking, well, there's nothing I'll never be able to accomplish anything. I'm just one person. And yet I know I've had people's testimony on here where they say, I'm just one person, yet God allowed me to be, to impact thousands of people. In fact, you got one guy on here, you're talking to him right now. I, I, I'm just one person. How in the world would I ever get the opportunity to share about the fact that my workplace is my mission field? Lord, how would I ever get the message out to thousands of people? And God said, well, I'm going to open that door up to the radio. Like the radio? No, right. that's not what I wanted. No, no. So anyway, it's got it's amazing how God does those things in our lives, and I imagine He's done the same things in your lives. Just say, okay, hey, just here's the Goliath. I want you to kill Goliath, but do it with a little pebble. Right. See, God's always going to do what's good for us. He always has our best intentions in mind by His definition. And on those extreme trials, that's that Second Corinthians one. That's Paul. And if you read those verses, his trials were extreme, terrible trials, but he persisted. And then at the end of that the passage in that chapter, he says, why did God do this? So I would learn to rely more on God and less on myself. And again, God gets the glory. Yeah, and then he wrote the verses that I now claim as my life verse, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances that I'm in. Right. <laughs> the and good. It is learned. You're exactly right. Oh, and it is. And it takes years. I wish that that's one of those ones where you pray for patience and you're like, you want it right now and you pray for contentment. You know, like I want it right now. But both of those are like, mm, I don't know, decades long uh, lessons. A lot of times you can pray for patience and God's going to send you a trial to be patient through. <laughs> or another trial or another yes, trial right. or another trial. All right. So the next section of the book is fruit and blessings. What is this chapter? Uh, what is this section of the book about? Well, see, God is going to bless us uh, through the activity of work. You know, uh, give us this day our daily bread. God's going to get the daily bread to us through work or, you know, uh, or the work of somebody else. I really like Proverbs 14:23. It says very clearly, all hard work brings a profit. And you can take the example, say, a school teacher. A school teacher will get a, a salary, and that's profit from the school teacher's work, but God's idea of profit just isn't limited to money. It's the students who are in the class who have learned from the teacher. They're going to go on and live better lives because of what they learned from the teacher, and that's God's kind of profit, too. See, a, a farmer can sell a crop for a profit and make money, but that farmer's crop feeds the nation. See, that's the profit, too. So we may not see the profit, even if our job is pretty routine. I, I get a paycheck, but uh, God is going to bring goodness out of your work somewhere, sometime, some way to somebody, and we have to take that larger view, how is my work blessing me, my family, my community, and that's the profit from God's work. Well, and a lot of us get the misnomer that uh, we're autom- a blessing means riches, which, you know, again, again, it's interpretation of riches, but maybe it's more money. That's you know, a lot of times that's not the case because no, that not. comes with too much trouble. Most people are not 
able to handle too much money. But the fruit and the blessings of doing your work well can last a lifetime. I mean, there are people that I have worked with that, that I no longer work with, but I established great relationships. And because of my faithfulness at work, I still have an opportunity to be an influence in their lives. And that's that's a huge thing. And we talk about relationships. That's the next section. So I want to kind of use that as a transition, because to me, the relationships that we develop in our workplace, we spend a lot of time at work. We do, yes. And sometimes we spend more time at work than we do at home. That's not a good idea, but it's the reality of today's economy. But relationships with people at work, healthy relationships with people at work, are opportunities for us to just be Jesus to people. And you really talk about that, the the power of the relationships with others in this next section. Right. We, we're called to love our coworkers the same way Jesus loves our coworkers. And that doesn't mean we have to uh, accept all the negativity and all the sin, but, uh, you know, we're God's salt and light. And in that uh, section uh, on relationships, I talk about respect, edification, jealousy, encouragement, empowerment. One good verse in there is Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm, meaning we're going to be gracious and respectful of every human being we have a relationship with, but we don't want to be the companion of fools, meaning our close affiliations, we need to closely affiliate and befriend people who are going to help make us better people. We can still interact with the fool, still tell the fool about Jesus when he or she's ready to hear, but we have to associate with people they're going to help us move forward in our life in ways that, uh, you know, honor Christ. Some of the chapters in there I really liked, learning to walk with the wise, respecting your employer, dealing with a fool. And we've all, we've all worked with people like that. Yeah. Encouraging one another, dealing with jealousy in the workplace, the learning how to apply the golden rule. But here's the one I like the best, the servant leader. Talk about the servant leader. Yeah, the servant leader, that's... Uh... See, are people better off for having spent time with you? Uh, We're interested in our own success, but it's clear in the Bible, and I have all the verses, where God wants us to care about the success of the people around us. I also call that sanctified ambition. We help other people become the people who God calls them to be. It's not all about us only. And the more we help others... It'll come back. It's going to help us. Again, God gets the glory, and we just help other people succeed, and uh, and that's a good thing. Well, and really, when you say, you, you, you tongue-in-cheeked it a little bit, well, it's, we learn that it's not all about us. No, it's not about us at all. It's all about right. God. And yet, most of us, that's the paradigm shift that we have to make in our workplace is we got to realize, hey, this isn't about me. This is, I mean, God's got me here as his representative. What is, what is it about God here? What am I, I mean, that's the paradigm shift is us recognizing that God placed us specifically right where we're at on purpose to do what? We got to ask, what is that, what is it that God called me to do right there? Yeah, exactly right. And, uh, you know, God owns everything. He's on his throne. His, his eyesight's infinitely broader than ours. And we serve others, help others, uh, do our work to his glory, and he'll take care of the rest. You know, yet even if we do all of those things, there's still people at work that will harass us, hassle us, make fun of us. You've got a chapter on there called Wolves at Work. you got 30 right. seconds. Explain that in 30 seconds. 
Okay, well, what it is, uh, wolves eat sheep, and uh, uh, we don't have to react to the wolf the same way the wolf treats us. We're not eye-for-an-eye people. What people don't understand about eye-for-eye is when it first came up in Exodus, that put a limit on retribution. And uh, uh, we want to be the sheep. We stay away from the wolves. God's going to protect us from the wolves. But we want to be the sheep that are going to attract you know, others in the workplace. But the wolves are there. The wolves are coming. But we don't have to go down to their level. We can take a much higher level. We don't have to respond to every insult. At the same time, we don't have to be doormats and abused because we have rights too. All right. The last two sections, Pat. God's wisdom and will. Wisdom that comes from heaven. We got to get wisdom. Talk to me about that really quick. This section. What is it about? Because finding out who, what God's will is is such a that's a big deal. Yes, it is. And uh, some people ask me the question, you know, what's God's will for the worker? What does He want me to do? And God wants us to do four things in our career. He wants us to serve Him. God's will is to bless us through our work. He wants us to grow through our work, grow in ways that make us more like Christ. And then uh, He wants us to be His witnesses in the in the marketplace. And his will is perfect. We talk about wisdom. A lot of times in the workplace we say knowledge is power. But see, wisdom is the extension of your knowledge. We can have all the knowledge we want, but if we don't put that knowledge to good work, wisdom is the ability to make wise decisions, good decisions. And as as you just said, uh, wisdom is supreme. God wants us to get wisdom. So there's a lot in there about making decisions and what's God's will for you. It's powerful. I, I loved that section. All right, the final section is one near and dear to my heart: work as ministry. Because it is true, we've all been, we all have a calling. Some of us get called to the mission field. Some of us get called to the pastor. But the majority of us get called to our cubicles and recognizing that our workplace is our mission field or our ministry, depending on how you want to look at it. And the fact that we may be the only Jesus people will ever meet. You've got that. Your work is your witness. Lessons from Paul's conversion. And he was a big time. His workplace was religion, bringing good news to work. As you wrote this, these chapters, what were you trying to communicate about work as ministry? I was trying to communicate that when you show up and go to work, you're serving God. It's full-time service to God. It's full-time ministry. That's not the limit to your your ministry. But showing up and working to the glory of God, letting your work be your witness, that's full-time ministry. You're you're serving God with that. And in addition to that, as you just said, and I saw it on your website, uh, the workplace is your mission field. You think about it, it's within commuting distance. From your home, you're there five days a week. We're salt and light to our coworkers, and when the time's appropriate, God can use us to speak life into people who want to hear the, hear about Jesus. Pat Leahy with GodsCareerGuide.com. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time. I, I may call you back because this is we, we probably should have talked about. Probably should have scheduled two shows because there's so much in this book, God's Career Guide. Everybody needs to go out and get a copy of this on your website, GodsCareerGuide.com. Keep it up. Pat, keep in touch. Thank you so much for your work in the kingdom. Thank you, Jim, and God bless. All right. Hey, thanks for listening today to I Work For Him. Thanks so much to Ace Andrews for his support, as always, in the show and doing an excellent job. And thanks to our show sponsors. You know, we got a lot of businesses and ministries that help keep I Work For Him on the air each and every day. And we'd like to get more ministries involved in I Work For Him. Go out to iworkforhim.com, go to the bottom of the front page, and look up all those ministries and businesses and thank them. If you would, just do that as a favor for Martha and I. Thank those people. And if you got some other businesses that would love to get access to a fantastic crowd, a Christian 
crowd of listeners. I would love to be able to talk to you business owners. And we learned today that our faith can impact our workplace in a whole bunch of different ways. But specifically, there are Bible verses to deal with so many different situations. That's why God's Career Guide is such a powerful resource. Go out there tonight on the website, godscareerguide.com, and get a copy for yourself. Because we need to remember, there's an epic battle out there for the souls of our coworkers and employees, and you and I need to be equipped. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 